welcome and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Aaron Diaz, and you're listening to episode number 20 of Live the Good Life from the podcast studios of Aaron's Wine Chronicles Corporate Headquarters in Richland, Washington. You know, when it comes to living the good life, USDA prime and luxury high-grade meats are at the top of the list for me. Today, I'm going to be interviewing an expert when it comes to what I call luxury meats. We'll be discussing his experiences in the meat industry, his knowledge about prime and Wagyu meat, and we'll learn about his offerings at a local high-end meat emporium. My guest is known throughout the Pacific Northwest as Jose the Butcher, and he prepares the amazing cuts of high-grade meat at Juanito's Prime Meats, located in Kennewick, Washington. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Mr. Jose Rodriguez to the show. Yeah. How about that? Sounds like they like you. <laughs> I'm super right. happy to be here, super happy to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. Um, I'm actually very excited to be talking about Wagyu and prime meats. That's actually, I could talk, talk about that all day. It's what makes life good, I'm telling you. <laughs> Thanks yeah. very much, Jose, for taking the time out of your day to come down and join our podcast. Um, why don't you just give us a brief background and introduce yourself to the audience? Um, well, pretty much. I work at Juanitos Prime Meats. Uh, I love cutting meat. I've been cutting meat since I was 15 years old. Um, so for about three months? <laughs> no, we'll that get into good, that in that a minute. A good one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I love to do. Um, I don't have very many hobbies other than cooking meat, cutting mm. meat, and uh, learning more about meat. <laughs> so as you've gotten into cutting the meat, you've yeah. also gotten gotten into experiencing the meat, oh, yeah. right? Oh yeah. So I mean, I mean, at your age, okay. So the first time I had wagyu or Kobe uh-huh. or you know A five steaks or anything like that, yeah. I was well into my you know. Late 30s, early 40s. Right. I mean, I, I didn't even know what it was. And if, I would have gotten sticker shock at that time in my life. You know, like, you're going to pay what for that? You know, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. no, you know. Yeah. But now that I'm older and about ready to die, I'm going to eat the hell out of it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, that's, that's cool. I mean, you, you know, at a, at a young age, you are getting exposed to the very best meats in the world, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, but again, I, you know, I just want to thank you for being here. You know, it's great having you on the show. Um, so, you know, we have a tradition here at Aaron's Wine Chronicles. We, while we're in the studio, it, it's customary for us to enjoy a libation, which is basically a, a, a good drink, uh, you know, as we're recording. And um, I have to say that today I am drinking an 18-year-age single malt, malt scotch. Uh, it's it's Glenfiddich, and it's, it's really good. I really, really love it. Uh, now, what you decided to choose, Jose, was the 18-year, extremely rare Glenmorangie single malt scotch. And, uh, you know, we both, we put the scotch over rocks and, uh, you know, let that water just kind of mix a little bit with the scotch. And it's, it's, it's really good. So tell me, what, what, what do you think about yours? Well, this is actually my first time uh, trying scotch, but... Uh... I'm enjoying it. I think it's a different experience. Um, I definitely wouldn't have done this on my own. Yeah. But now that you're telling me about it, I think I would probably try it again. Yeah. I mean, it's part of living the good life. And um, you know, yeah. I just, you know, stretching out your experiences. Yeah. I mean, you, you did it with meat. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe someday we'll get you back over here and we'll yeah. smoke some cigars too. I don't know oh, if yeah. you do that or not. But. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get this started. I, um, I do have a question. 
for you. Say, I had it actually the very first time I met you, because if I was a doorman at a club, mm-hmm. you know, I'd card you every time you walk in the door. You have a baby face. You look really young, and maybe it's just because I'm a an old viejo. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old are you? I'm 23. You're 23. I'm, I'm 23. Uh... I always have my ID ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I imagine you hit yeah. that a lot, right? I mean, yeah. So tell us about your family. Where, where did you grow up? What, what schools did you go to? Or Was it local or are you a transplant from some other place? Yeah, so up until I was 13 years old, I lived in Yakima, Washington. Okay. And then uh, after that, we moved into uh, Kennewick, Washington. So I went to high school in uh, Southridge. Southridge, when you were in high school. Yeah. yeah. What about before that? Where in Yakima did you go? Were you? Uh, I went to uh, what middle school? Uh, Union Gap. Union, Union Gap. Gap. Okay. Because yeah. I'm from Toppenish. Oh, really? And my bro- yeah, my, my whole family, um, we, were to- we went to Toppenish High School. We were okay, Wildcats. Cool. So, you know, Yakima and the whole lower valley up mm-hmm. there is, is what we do. Oh, yeah. Um, so you've been in the Tri-Cities for what, about 10, 10 years or so? Yeah. Cool. How did you, um, how did you actually learn how to cut and prepare meat and i guess how did you first get started in the meat industry at at such a young age so uh at first i was just uh going to high school and i started when i was around uh i think a freshman i was a freshman in high school when my dad uh he told me that he needed uh, a worker Mm -hmm. at the meat market in pasco the and, now this uh, was this is not Juanito's prime meats. This is no, a this is a different place. This was um, Los Juanes. Okay, okay. It was uh, I think it was still called Los Juanes because they ended up switching the name to Juanito's. Okay, foods. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he needed somebody. He wanted me to work, and I wasn't doing the best in in school. Mm-hmm. So that was another motivator. Like, okay, so if you think school is not the uh, the route that you're gonna take. Uh, I think you should start working, start getting some experience in the in the workforce. And mm-hmm. so he uh, he, I started off just uh, you know washing, doing all the washing, and uh, pretty much a butcher's apprentice. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's how I got into it. And at first, I didn't like it too much, but then the more that I got better at it, the more that there was a sense of like I could uh, compete with some of the guys. Mm-hmm. And see, like, how fast you could cut and how good you can cut a ribeye or a yeah. ranchera. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, can you put your fingers up for the camera? Yeah. How many do you got? You still got all of them? Yeah, I still have all of them. I mean, <laughs> I imagine you know guys who have lost a finger or yep. whatever. I mean, yep. when you're a butcher, that's part of the yeah. part of the deal, right? Part of the game. <laughs> that's, that's like being a football player and having bad knees or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get your knee blown out sooner or later. It's just, yeah. man. So this is interesting, <clears throat> interesting because, um, you know, I'm just recently starting to really appreciate the tools of the trade that that you've used for many years. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about knives and high-end cutlery. And for me, I'm fascinated by the variety of blades, the shapes of the blades, the lengths, the different types of steel and the layering that they do, different mm-hmm. layers of steel. And then the, you know, different knives have different angles of, of the blade that you actually have the bevel, you know, that yep. makes it sharp, right? That angle of mm-hmm. bevel. Um, I'm also learning about the unique differences between like Japanese, American, European knives, uh, and in particular, like Germany makes some good knives. Oh, yeah. um, so what are some of your favorite tools as a butcher? And do you have high-end knives that you really like? 
Yeah, so I've always used the German or Swiss knives. Oh, yeah, Swiss Swiss, as well. uh, Victorino. Okay. Victorino, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, but uh, the Swiss knives, the Victorino, those are really good knives. Those are, I own like a full collection of- uh, Do you? Yeah, uh, the Swiss knives. So I have my own collection and I have my uh, ones that I use for work Uh that I'm using every single day and they, they last many, many years. So I'm a big fan of The Sopranos. You ever, you ever heard of that show? Yeah. Tony Soprano, yeah. you know, the mafia show. Well, they had, you know, they had friends who were butchers and they would sometimes yeah. bring their enemies over to the butcher shop and you'd never see them again and they'd oh, yeah. cut them up. And yeah. You, you haven't done that in your butcher <laughs> not shop? Not yet, okay. not yet. We haven't done it yet. <laughs> so so you've got some good knives. You, you're, you're collecting some knives. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you sharpen your own knives? I mean, it, it's important to keep them sharp, right? Especially with what you do. Oh, yeah. Um, it's essential, and and I'm building my collection, so I've started also purchasing whetstones and other tools, so that as you're using the whetstone, like guides that keep, that actually keep the knife at an angle of say 12 degrees or 20 degrees, because that's what the manufacturer yep. says that's what you want to get it razor sharp. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you sharpen your own knives? And if so, how, yeah. how did you learn how to do that? Uh, yeah, just uh, the more experienced butchers were pretty much passing down the knowledge to me. Uh, well, I, I sharpen my own knives. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I got the honing steel and everything. Uh, we do use the, the whetstones as well. Mm-hmm. We have the three, what is it called? The three. Uh, there's different grits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Different grits. So there's like a three. There's all kinds. Yeah. Right? They range from, from my research, you can go in the low hundreds, like one, yeah. two, three, four hundred, which is like a coarse grit, yeah, right? Coarse. The higher the number, the finer the grit. Yep. And then, and then, so like I've got whetstone, I've got a 400, a 1000, a 3000, no, I'm sorry, a 1000, 6000, and a 10,000. Mm-hmm. So I got from, from the low hundreds to the 10,000 is the highest. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's pretty much all I really need because I can, you know, yeah. kind of pick the, some knives you don't need to go up to 10,000, but mm-hmm. the Japanese knives are so damn sharp. I mean, you do the paper thing where you oh, cut, yeah. cut it with the paper and it just like, you don't even have to push the knife just, on the paper. It just like, it almost parts before the razor hits it. You know, it's yeah, crazy. Cool stuff. Um, yeah. So, uh, but you know, when I watch those videos on how to sharpen your own knives, uh, it's not, if you don't have the right tools and, and you're just holding the knife at an angle that looks, you know, you don't know, you could be changing as you're moving the knife. That angle could be changing. Yep. You, you have to be a real artist yeah. or you have to have the right tools or both to get it very uniform. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, have you run into that kind of a, a deal where you yeah. thought your knife was sharp because you've done it a lot and then you go back and it's like, oh man, I, I got to go yeah. back and, and redo this? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I find myself sharpening my knives every uh, two, three days. Uh, we also have meat slicers. Yeah. That need to be sharpened as well. Those, yeah. those take the oh, most wow. of the beating actually because yeah. – we do a lot of uh, taco meat for a lot of restaurants and uh, taco okay. trucks. So those are cutting thousands of pounds a day. So do you, are yeah. you sharpening them like every week? I mean, or, every day. Or every day. Meat oh, slices wow. get sharpened every day. So you have multiple slicers. You'll pull one off, put another one on, yep. take that one to the shop, or you take it to the back and sharpen it while the other one's being yep. used. I mean, yeah. this is crazy. So okay. right here at the Kennewick location, we, we have two running all okay. day. 
So when it comes to the tools of the trade and the skills and the knowledge that it takes to cut and trim beautiful pieces of meat, and the, the meat that you're handling is often hundreds of dollars just for a single piece or, you know, $150, $200 for a single piece of meat. So, so you know, you don't want to screw it up. No. Um, who, who has had the most influence on you in learning these skills and this knowledge base? Who's, who's the one person that's had the most influence on you? Um, or is it a team of people? I would say most, for the most part, when it comes to actually cutting meat, uh, it would be the team, the team of people. I really wanted to get into it. I saw other people cutting it and I said, why can't we, mm -hmm. you know, um, as far as selling it and marketing it and all that stuff, I think my dad is the one that kind of influenced you, influenced me the most. And I could see that. Yeah. yeah. And that makes the most sense. Yeah. It's because you're kind of in that line yeah. already in your family. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, your average person probably has very little appreciation for what goes on behind the scenes in yeah. a butcher shop. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people go to the store and they're like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to make steaks tonight. You know, I'm going to go get some New Yorks or some ribeyes or some yeah. skirt steak or whatever the case is. Right. They don't know what it takes to put that piece of meat there. And they don't know a lot of times what kind of a quality of piece of meat they're getting. It makes a huge difference. The quality of the meat, before you actually start preparing it and barbecuing it. Oh, yeah. So I guess, I guess, you know, my question is, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes. Can you describe, say, the differences between how you would butcher a pig versus a cow, you know, beef versus pork? What are the major differences as a butcher that you look at? Um, I think the major differences is that beef uh, obviously is a little bit more expensive, but pork you're not taking out, you know, we don't get a whole pig and break it down. You don't? We get it by the piece. Like slabs? The, you get yeah, slabs of it? Yeah, okay. big uh, pork shoulders and pork legs and uh, pork loin. Okay. And then we'll break that down. Okay. We'll make, uh, you know, cut it into pork chops or we'll do uh, some stew meat or mm -hmm. pozole, oh, yeah. uh, chunks, uh, what else? Taco meat, like the for the adobada, the al pastor, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Yeah. So with beef, I imagine you get a lot more cuts. Yes. Right? Because there's yeah. so many different. There's more variety. I mean, we were talking the other day when I went into the store and was talking to you about the yeah. podcast, and you, were, you you sold me on Bavette. Oh, yeah. You know, and I haven't eat, uh, you know, eaten it yet. But, man, oh. I tell you what, when, when I, put it, I put it in the freezer until I got the guys coming over next week, and then we're going we're gonna to barbecue that up. Oh, yeah. But um, let's talk about different cuts of beef right now. Um, are some cuts more challenging to obtain from the slabs of cow that you get? And do you have favorite cuts that you like carving out? Yeah, so uh, some of the most challenging ones are probably the flat iron. The flat iron bet, sticks? Mm -hmm. um, the chuck eye. Oh. Those are the top three on my list that yeah. taste amazing. Chuck eye. People but don't know about it, but don't know it's about as good it. yeah. and as tender, sometimes even more tender than the ribeye. Yeah, rib yeah. But it does have that little area of gristle sometimes yeah. that you get, right? Yeah. So if you can separate that out. Yeah. You um, can get a pretty good. Pepper. And the price is like well, yeah. well under half yeah. of what you pay for a ribeye. Yeah. The chuck eye. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. don't know about that one too. They don't. Well, usually the butchers, they, uh, they'll save three or four pieces. And then if they sell, they sell, you know? Yeah. But ribeyes will obviously be a little bit more expensive and there will be a little bit more ribeyes to sell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
what about butchering a pig? Now, you, you, you said that you're not really taking the whole pig and you're cutting yeah. it up, but you're getting slabs. What are some of your favorite pork cuts? And in particular, I, I want to ask you, have you heard of jowl bacon? Because some people, I'll go to some butchers and they'll, they're like, I don't know. We don't get, we don't have jowl bacon. We don't, I don't know what you're talking about. But, but they have it in some safe ways, especially like in the valley, up in the valley, really? you can buy jowl bacon. I imagine it comes from the jowls of the pig. That's why they call it that. Yeah. Um, but it's it's like our family's favorite bacon. Do you, are you familiar with that? Have I've you, I've heard of it. I've seen videos on it, but I haven't tried it myself. Oh yeah, I haven't tried it. If you haven't, you've got to. I'm just wondering if if you can actually slice it up and and put chow bacon out at oh, yeah. Juanitos. I'm, I didn't know if it was something that you guys can do, but yeah, yeah. Once people try it, they like. We, if we can get wagyu, we can get some chow bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are some of your favorite pork cuts? My favorite pork cut, I like, uh, let's say, like, I kind of want to show off for some friends or some family. Mm-hmm. I'll probably do some pork tomahawks. Really? They have pork tomahawks? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. It's like a pork chop with the big bone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, wow. With, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you can uh, make them with the skin on, and uh-huh. it's just different experience, you know? And but, you're saying it's good. Oh, yeah, it's really good. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's something, that's something I learned just now. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if I was Aaron the Butcher... Uh, my freezer would be filled with upper prime USDA and an American Wagyu, the higher grade American stuff, the ribeye cap, the bone-in ribeyes, the boneless ribeyes, and the tomahawk ribeyes, all like like the Snake River Farms gold level cuts. That That's what I really like. The filet mignon and, and even a bone-in filet. Have you, you guys have bone-in filet t- sometimes or not? Um, we've got it in. It's not a super common thing that it we isn't, do. It isn't, but yeah. if you've ever had it Ooh. with the bone in, if you've ever barbecued or broiled a bone in filet, that flavor of the bone, oh, yeah. you never get it at a restaurant unless you go to a really high end steakhouse. Sometimes they'll have bone in filet mignon, mm-hmm. and it's worth it, man. I'm telling you, it is so yeah. good. Um, and then there's skirt steak. So I was raised in California in, in for a portion of my life, and and we go back there all the time. The skirt steak that they have in California seems to be different than the skirt steak they sell like up here in Washington. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's how they're cutting it or or what what that is, but do you have you seen a difference between skirt steaks? Is there are there different types of skirt steak? Yeah. So there's the inside skirt and then there's the outside skirt. Explain what uh, that means. Um uh, one's in the interior of the ribs and then the other one's on the outside. Okay. So, so it's, one one's like a thin strip, mm-hmm. and then there's a inside skirt that kind of looks like the flat meat where I cut you the bavette. Uh, that one is thicker, and it has uh, longer fibers and tends to be a little bit more chewy. Tougher. Okay. Tougher. okay. The so that's skirt. probably what's happening is that when I, sometimes when I go to yeah. places and I'm getting skirt, it's that inside skirt. Maybe. maybe. Not the outside. Maybe. That's what it could be. Um, but yeah, there, those two are referred to as skirt steak. Sometimes I get, uh, customers asking me for skirt steak and they think the flat meat, mm-hmm. the ranchera is, right. but that's, that's actually different. And that's, yeah, it's that different. That one's flat meat. Yeah. That, one's, that one comes from the sirloin, sirloin flat meat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Japanese A5, you know, we'll talk a little bit about what, what A5 means for those yeah. people who don't know, but you know, that's like the, the very high end Japanese, right. highly marbled steaks. Um, that's something that I really like as well, but I can't eat a lot of it. It's too rich. I mean, I can take a couple of steaks 
and, and prepare them and then cut them up for hors d'oeuvres or appetizers for people. You know, if you got four or five people, maybe six or seven people or more, yeah. you, a couple of ribeye steaks, and they cut them usually like they're three quarter inch, they're, they're thinner. Um, you know, you can, um, you can really give people enough so that they're satisfied because yeah. it's so much umami flavor and, and, and fat content that you really can't eat like a 16 or 18 ounce steak like that it's just so rich right yeah it's really rich it's uh i think two two of those three-fourths to a you know a uh, maybe a half quarter to three-fourths quarter- three yeah. of an inch is good for five to eight people yeah depending because on- you're just giving them a few a few bites and then then you go on and eat your dinner your regular dinner <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so in your freezer what are your favorite cuts to eat and serve your family Oh, I, I love my my tomahawks when I'm trying to show off. Yeah, <laughs> I like making those. Uh, I love. So, what grade of tomahawk do you like to serve? Um, the well, the uh, Aussie the, ones or the, the Australian wagyu, or uh, I've tried the. So there's uh, another brand that's not Snicker or Farms. It's a uh, Masami. Mm. Masami is a good one too. Okay. The thing about Snicker or Farms, they're really good at marketing. That's why everybody yeah. knows about Snicker right. or Farms. Right. But there's also other. Other ranches in California, for example, Masami. That's good to know. Yeah, what? what how's their pricing? Is it is it it's reasonable a, too? Yeah, it's reasonable. It's it's around the same as Snake, as River. Snake River Farms. Okay. Yeah, we've we've got our hands on di- several different American Wagyu farms. So yeah, we'll we'll we, talk about yeah. that in in just a little bit. Yeah. So there, you know, there are many different types of high end beef cuts, like we just be, just got done talking about, that are available, and if people are willing to pay the price. Um, can you help our audience understand the differences like in taste and tenderness and price between, say, USDA prime steaks, Japanese Wagyu, American, and Australian? Those seem to be the big categories, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are others, but, you know, you got Australian Wagyu, you got American Wagyu, you got Japanese Wagyu. In When I look at it, I would rank Japanese Wagyu as kind of the top but it's much more marbled. Oh, yeah. And then the American Wagyu, I would put it second. It, it's marbled and it's got a unique type of flavor and tenderness. Then I would put the Australian be- below that. But I don't know, how how do you rank it from a, your personal preference? Uh, personally, if I'm going to make a nice steak for myself, I would say Australian Wagyu is uh, the, the one that I would go to. Mm-hmm. But... um. Also, Australian Wagyu is a very broad term as well because there's, a, uh, there's a, a, a lot of different farms right. that are in Australia yeah. that are producing Wagyu, high-quality Wagyu, and then there's the crossbreed farms as well. Yep. So it's a pretty broad term. but Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, yeah. when I say American Wagyu, that could mean any number yeah, of farms, just like you said, term. and Australian too. And I imagine yeah. you get a whole spectrum of different types of tenderness and marbling oh, yeah depending on where you go to get it. And then pricing. Price yeah. plays a big role, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man. So in the U.S., you know, people, people when they go to a regular grocery store to buy steak, you know, your average consumer, they are typically looking at basically, if, if you're just getting a steak that isn't uh, an, a Wagyu-type steak or higher, you know, you're going to get select, choice, or prime, basically three categories. Um, and, and so when you're talking about Wagyu beef, though, with that, that extreme level of marbling and fat content, 
the grading scale gets much more specific and a little bit complicated for the non-meat kind of person, right? Um, so there's the BMS, which stands for Beef Marbling Standard, and that's on a scale of 1 to 12. Now, in Japan, from what I've read, the Japanese don't even consider 1 and 2. They actually go from 3 to 12. 3 is about the lowest end they deal with. 1 and 2 is like, well, hell, there's no fat in these anyway. We don't even talk about these, right? Um, and then there's also this quality and yield score. Now, when you look at like a, a Japanese A5 steak, that's the highest grade. There's A, B, and C categories, and that talks about um, the actual yield score of the of the fat content. And then there's the quality, which is the distribution and the intramuscular fat content, and that's graded one through five. So the top would be A5, and the bottom would be C1. Mm-hmm. So then you have C1, 2, 3, 4, 5, B1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and A1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So you got this whole spectrum of different grades of steaks, right? Yeah. So um, I guess my question is, what are your thoughts on the tasting and experience of these very high luxury grades? When you're explaining it to a customer who walks into your yeah. store and they ask you questions like, oh, this says A5, but why is it $125 for that steak? But it's only this other steak over here that looks kind of like it. It's only like 60 bucks or 30 bucks. Yeah. How do you explain that to them? So if they're comparing to regular uh, USDA graded beef Mm -hmm. that's raised here uh, in in the U.S., I would say prime is the highest grade that you can get (coughs) in the U.S. produced by the U.S. So Mm -hmm. if it's USDA graded and it grades prime, that's the highest. And we work with a lot of that. Uh, The ribeyes, the New Yorks, some of the tomahawks that we carry, they're prime. So that's that's already top 2%. Of what the U.S. produces, right? That's top two percent beef in the in the whole U.S. is graded prime. Everything else is choice or select. Right. We never work with select. We don't. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's, that's just like just yeah. pretty. That's pretty low quality. Right. For that's us. like what you get yeah. at McDonald's when you order a hamburger. Yeah, maybe <laughs> even less because there's yeah. ungraded. There's ungraded. <clears throat> oh boy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, cho- choice and up is is what we work with. Uh, choice, there depending on the brand can actually be sometimes better than the prime. I've seen that. Right. I agree uh, with you 100%. There's double R, yeah. hot, upper two-thirds choice. That's better than some brands that are prime. Yep. Right? Yep. So I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, that's what I, usually people get the idea when you start talking to them about, okay, prime's the best in the U.S. This yeah. is like high, high-end beef. This is some of the best that you can get in the Tri-Cities. So now I know why, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in terms of the Japanese Wagyu, I've tried A4, I've tried A5, I mean, mm-hmm. A4 and A3. Oh, okay. And of course, A5. Yeah. Um, A4 and A3 are kind of similar to the experience of a, a Australian Wagyu, mm-hmm. like the 8 to 9 yeah. or the 6 to 7 uh, Australian Wagyu ribeyes. Those are similar to the A4, A3. Mm-hmm. Uh, A5 starts at, I think, uh, BMS 8 or 9. Yeah. I think that's that's where they start at, and then mm-hmm. they'll go up from there. Yeah. The ones uh, that I've had on the A5 have been like uh, BMS 11, 12. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And you're paying top dollar for those. Yeah. But then again, when you get to that level, yeah. it's so damn rich. I mean, it's just like, man. When, after you've eaten it, you can feel the coating on the inside of your mouth yeah. of the fat, you know, that's kind of residual after you eat a few bites of it. Yeah. You know, you can run your tongue across the top, the roof of your mouth and be like, mm, yeah, there's... 
Yeah. There's some factor. <laughs> a, a lot of people don't know, but the grading scale is actually um, based off of how much intramuscular fat. Yeah. Um, and how it's distributed. Yeah. I mean, they don't count the fat on the yeah. edges of the steak, no, right? No, no, no. I mean, it's got to be yeah. interspersed and marbled kind yeah. of yeah. uniform. The, the more uniform it is, the better, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, a, lot, a lot of people don't know that. I actually always tell people fat is flavor because a lot of people don't know exactly how here's, it works. Here's another thing. I found out just recently is that a lot of the fats in the Wagyu, the Japanese steaks, it's the healthy fats. Yeah. It's the um, mono, uh, what is it, monosaturated uh, yeah. fats or something yeah. like that that are actually healthy for you. So if you're going to eat beef and you have the money to do so, eat the higher end beef because yeah. it's it's healthy for you. Healthier, I yeah. mean, that's my plug for yeah. high end beef anyway. So tell <laughs> us about... Juanito's prime meats a little bit. Now, this is your place of, of, of work. What types of meats and cuts do you offer? Uh, we offer anything from Wagyu, ribeyes, New Yorks, to your normal uh, pozole meat, uh, birria, you know, beef chunks. and thin Thinly sliced thinly stuff too, sliced right? For carne asada. For, right. For your barbecue uh, grill, you know. We, we have regular stuff as well. We don't. Just work with high end, but we do move a lot of the high end stuff. Well. What do you call the bavette that's thinly sliced? What is it? Arachera? Arachera, yep. Yeah. I yep. bought that from you guys a couple of times. I absolutely loved yeah. it. My wife loved it. And it's so easy to cook, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, on the grill, you got 30 seconds, 30 seconds to get it hot. You know, 30 seconds, 30 seconds, pull it. And and it's just delicious. Hot and fast. Yeah. Ready to yeah. go. Yeah. And it's like you have a stack of it, right? Like you're yeah. making tortillas, right? I mean, yeah. you just pull them, you put them on, you just flap them on there, and yeah. then pull them off. It's just, oh, uh, it's great. for tacos, yep. So what are your best-selling cuts and grades of meat? Because you, you sell a variety of grades, but also a variety of cuts. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you source it from different places. But but what are some of the best-selling ones that, you, that you've got? Uh, the best-selling beef uh, in the summer would probably be the, ra- the arrachera. Really? That one's yeah. the easiest, quickest, super, you know, tender, pull apart. Mm-hmm. We use prime quality arrachera, so it's going to be well marbled. Right, right. It's going to be like a melt-in-your-mouth kind of thing. It is. Yeah, even if it's not Wagyu, it's it's really oh, good. It's, man. It's top, top quality. You know, I, I've been enjoying your high-grade, what I call luxury meats since you first opened. Can you talk a little bit about where you actually get your meat from? Yeah. What ranches you, you actually typically, and I know that it changes. I'm sure that, yeah. you know, if you get feedback from, from customers and, and you're like, you know, maybe we ought to look uh, at a different ranch to get some stuff from, I'm sure you do that too, right? Yeah. Uh, locally, we, we like to work with uh, Double R Ranch. That, yeah. one's, that one's up there for us. Mm-hmm. They're actually owned by the same people as uh, Snake River Farms. Okay. So they're pretty, they're really good quality. We've, we like the color and mm-hmm. we like the textures and, you know, the, the, the yield that we can get out of that certain ranch. Yeah. We find that they're, they're pretty top quality. Uh, in terms of Wagyu, I mean, we, we work with an importer that imports Japanese Wagyu and, uh, we've worked with, uh, Different prefectures, yeah. So Miyazaki, you know, Kagoshima. Kagoshima is my favorite yeah. one so far. Yeah. Now yeah. I haven't had. I mean, that's good that you mentioned that because I wanted to mention that too, and yeah. I, I forgot to put that in our list of things to talk about. But in Japan, there's like it, they're almost like counties, you know. Yeah. Like the, I mean, I think Benton County is probably bigger than half of Japan anyway. But um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's yeah. prefectures, and yeah. 
And there's rules assigned to, you know, how they handle and treat the cows yeah. and, and, and what they're fed and all of that. And then, of course, when they're butchered and stuff, you know, they have to meet these certain standards. Oh, yeah. and, and, and these prefectures uh, will market just the meat that's made and grown there in the prefecture. So you mentioned the one that starts with an M, Ma- Miyash- Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Kagoshima. I have had... I have had A5 Wagyu from both prefectures, but not from any other prefectures. And I know there's a lot of others, yeah. but but they have unique flavors associated with the meat that comes from them. Yeah. That's what I've read. Yeah. Of course, I don't know yet because I haven't done them all, but there's yeah. one that kind of tastes kind of like olives. Mm-hmm. They, they said that if I, from olive what I've read, bread. yeah, it kind of tastes a little bit like it has olive because yeah. I think they feed them. Olives? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's crazy stuff. I mean, every uh, ranch has a different tradition, signature and tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They 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 pride themselves in in their own little specific things that they do differently. But I think the 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 wagyu ranches down there in Japan, they focus on quality. Yeah. Before yeah. costs, before oh, yeah. expenses, before. Yeah. And it's very yeah. based in tradition, steeped yeah. in. Uh, you know, hundreds, yeah. if not thousands of years of tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they have an Olympics. Yeah. They have a Wagyu, Wagyu Olympics. Yeah. And the prefectures, they, they send their best cuts, yep. you know, and they, they get graded and they win medals. Uh, I mean, can you imagine yeah. being a judge? At the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything's so good. <laughs> Man, you know what I noticed, though? Uh, for quite a while now, you guys have had a few f- food trucks in your parking lot. And and it says you know you know the food is made from the you know wagyu and stuff for these for these food trucks, um, that to me is really interesting. I have yeah. not eaten any food from your two or three food trucks that you have. You might even have more than that. But mm-hmm. my question is, um, talk about the meats that you use for the foods in those trucks, and also any maybe events. Do you guys cater? You know, talk yeah. about some current events that you got coming up. Yeah. So. Right there at our food truck at the Kennewick location on Clearwater, mm-hmm. we do Wagyu tacos. We do uh, Wagyu kebabs, mm-hmm. call them brochetas, and uh, we do Wagyu burritos. We do we can pretty much do Wagyu anything. We work mm-hmm. with uh, American Wagyu with, for that stuff uh-huh. to make it a, yeah affordable. And some people are not used to the richness that Australian Wagyu and Japanese Wagyu, and sometimes American Wagyu can provide. So mm-hmm. we. We we use wagyu for the tenderness and the flavor that it can provide to like a this in this case a Mexican, uh, yeah, spot. But yeah, that's what we use for that. And then for our regular uh, tacos, we do use choice or prime or higher. So so what events do you have coming up that, that you we, guys uh, participate we do, in? We do cater, and uh-huh. we we have a big event coming up at the Hot Post Center. There's going to be a kickboxing. Oh, at Hot Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. On uh, December is it 30th. Muay Thai or is it uh, kickboxing? It's kickboxing. Kick, kickboxing, yeah. Is it like some U.S. federation of like a championship that's being done, or is it a circuit yeah, or what? It's like a amateur, amateur, a, okay. amateur kickboxing. Cool. Uh, the the guy is local. The guy that oh, started okay. it, everything, everything. He was a professional MMA fighter. Okay, okay. Uh, before, but yeah, he's he's the one that's organizing everything. You know his name? Yeah, uh, Ernesto, Ernesto Ernest. Toscano. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna be doing that event. Here. And that'll be at Hapo. When is that happening? Uh, December 30th. Oh, wow. Right yeah. before the new year. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. That's going to be good. We're excited for that. 
So I guess my final question, Jose, is uh, where do you see yourself in five years? I mean, you've been doing this for a little while now, but you're a baby. I mean, you're only 23 years old. you got your whole life ahead of you. Yeah, for sure. Where do you see yourself in five years? I see myself uh, having uh, more stores throughout the uh, Washington, at least. Uh, We want to open one in, in Richland here soon, so... Well, we're we're still looking at locations and stuff like that, but I think uh, there's more of a demand for high-end meats now. People are learning a little bit more about beef. Yeah. There's more videos out there. There's more, you know, with the internet, the the knowledge is out there. The information is out there. It's whether if somebody's interested or not and trying and learning about the marbling scores and all this different qu- kinds of quality. Yeah. So I think that there, the demand is getting higher for quality meat. We are looking at locations in Richland. We're looking at locations in Yakima. That's what I was going to yeah. ask you because you're from Yakima. You yeah. know as well as I do, Yakima doesn't have crap for good no. meat. No. I'm telling you. I mean, I, most of my life I spent, you yeah. know, in Toppenish. What did you do for excitement? You go to Yakima Yeah. when you're a kid, right? <laughs> yeah. You just drive up there and cruise the Ave back and forth. That's yeah. all we did. Yeah. And and they got nothing for meat. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if you guys popped up over there, yeah. I bet you you would have a huge following there too. Yeah. There's such – in eastern Washington, unless you're in Spokane or – or Portland or Vancouver and those areas where they've got more population, yeah. Seattle, you know, you're yeah. not going to find Mm-mm. the availability of being able to get that. So what does that force customers to do? Well, they have to order it online. Yeah. Ordering it online is okay, but, you know, then you risk yeah. the quality because they, they got to pack it with dry ice. They got to yeah. pack it with whatever and get it to you and, uh, you know. Well, I think uh, a lot of people, they like that uh, that sense of connection that they might have with the butcher. With the butcher, yeah. Yeah, like you're walking in, hey, how's it going? Well, what do you recommend? I already tried the rib, yeah. I tried the New York. What do you recommend? I recommend a bavette steak. And there you go. All well, of a sudden you got this and, connection, you know, a relationship with your butcher. Yeah. And what you did for me, like yeah. the other day when I came in, you actually custom cut some things. You're like, oh, you, you yeah. like it thicker? I'll go. I'll go get you one and I'll cut yeah. you, you know, real thick steaks. Yeah. Because some people really like those extra thick yeah. steaks. I do, you know, yeah. um, and uh, that's good to be able to have that relationship yeah. with the butcher because you can get stuff custom done. You go online, you can't. You get what what's if, yeah. But whatever it says on there, that's what you're going to get. Yeah. So, well, you know, <laughs> you have no idea how glad I am that we met. You know, the, the Tri Cities area has been in dire need of a business that caters to people who really want to have the very best beef that you can buy. And finally, we now have that business right here in our own backyard that provides the world's best cuts of meat. Jose, I've learned a lot today about you and the art of butchering, and I appreciate the opportunity to host you today. Before we go, could you please remind our audience again about Juanito's Prime Meats? Juanito's Prime Meats, uh, located in Kennewick. We got one on Clearwater, uh, very close to Winco. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have uh, Juanito's Foods in Pasco. That's a big grocery store. We, I mean, we have a big section of produce. Big now, section. Now, do you sell the, the the high end meats there as well, or is it we only do. at? We do. We focus okay. a little bit more on that in the Kennewick location. Right. Okay. Um, but we do have some cuts in the Pasco location. It's just a different demographic over there. Right. So I got gotcha. you. Uh, yep. Yeah. So we sell a little bit different things, but uh, we do try to have the same things. Well, you also sell more than meat, right? Yeah. We got the we got a grocery section, we got a produce section at both locations. And soon in the Kennewick location we are gonna be opening a hot deli 
We're going to really? have kitchen. Oh, that's awesome. So we're going to have ch- chicharrones, carnitas. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't even say that. Yeah. So Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this coming year, actually. I can't wait. We'll have it all ready to go and running in March. I can't so, wait. Yeah. That's really good news. Yeah. Chicharrones or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I'm turning into one, actually. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've been eating them so much lately. Oh, My right. wife gets them all the time. Yeah. Uh, for me, Sheesh. Uh, what about, um, you know, the, the quality of the produce there you yeah. guys have is great and you sell beer and beverages and yeah. everything else too. Yeah. Um, and, and so, I mean, I, like I know a few times I've been in there and I didn't want to go to three different stores. So I just went in and got yeah. jalapenos and cilantro and, and other things. And you sell salsas and, and chile and all kinds of stuff too. Yeah. So it's really kind of a one-stop shop in a lot of ways. We're, we're trying our best to make everything a one-stop shop get the best meat in town yeah get some of the best produce and people like it people are like well you're doing great um congratulations on on your position and and on the success of your businesses um uh you know i'd like to thank you again jose for joining us on live the good life that's all we have for today's episode again for more of living the good life you can find us on instagram and facebook at aaron's wine chronicles or you can go online at aaronswinechronicles.com. And for a video podcast version of the episode, you can visit my YouTube channel at the at sign, Aaron's Wine Chronicles 6666. So again, thank you all for listening. And remember, wherever you go, whenever you can, always live the good life. Until next time. <laughs>